0: Hello, Woodlane community, this is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast episode 032. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, as we get better at something, it becomes more difficult to improve. This can be frustrating, even exhausting when we can't reach that pinnacle called perfection. Chasing after it nonstop can do more than wear us out. It can steal our joy. Is perfect a requirement for our faith? Let's find out. Anybody else just feel completely wiped out today? I mean, this week I've had six days of trying not to yell at the kids to various degrees of success or utter failure. Trying to keep five calendars balanced and give everybody a fair amount of of equally balanced, devoted time just to them. Trying to keep... 20 minutes of message in my head all at the same time, all after running a big race yesterday. I mean, I'm just I'm done. Rach, take over. I'm gonna take a nap. At least he's honest. But I'm still taking a nap. See you in twenty minutes.
1: Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to him Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Please pray with me. Lord, bless us through your word today. Use it to grow us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus. Amen.
0: I wish I could live life like the Energizer Bunny. Just go, 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 go. Have the energy to do it. But I'm a dad, so that's not going to happen for about 20 years. I can take a little bit of solace in this, I guess. That I'm guessing Paul understands a little bit about exhaustion. About being wiped out. No, maybe not so much from calendars or to-do lists. I mean, he's writing his, this letter from a prison cell. He's got nothing but time on his hands. But earlier on in this letter, Paul wrote the Philippians with his resume, his resume of religion. And basically, it says, in a nutshell, that Paul was the poster child for being a perfect Jew. And therein lies the word that should be on every dirty words list in the English language. <laughs> perfect. You ever know somebody who just seemed to fit that description? Who just seemed to always have it all together? When I was in seminary, I had a good friend who, during the most intense part of seminary, our chaplaincy, there was a group of about 10 of us that were working together. And one guy, Nate, was about as perfect as anybody I had ever met. I mean, he was 6'5", had a great smile. I mean, he was ultra-talented. He's the guy who plays the Star-Spangled Banner at Wrigley Field. Multiple times, kind of talented. Had, I mean, ultimate, awesome charisma. Everybody liked him. Now, to be sure, he was genuinely a nice guy when you would talk to him in, you know, kind of a one-on-one context over coffee or something like that. But after about seven or eight weeks of working closely with Nate, and seeing how just how good he was at what he did. All of us almost had this mutiny against him. And we're like, tell us sometime you did not get it right. Prove to us you are a human being. Because we're starting to kind of question this a little bit here. You are so good. And we meant it honestly. Being on that quest for perfection can be exhausting. Trust me, I know. I know a little bit about computers. I know a little bit about Jesus. I know a lot about the exhaustion that can come from chasing this unicorn called perfection. Is there any hope in it? Any joy that, we can, come out, that can come out of not being perfect? Any peace that can come out of realizing that it's okay to not have it right all the time, every time? Well, Paul, like I said, might know a little something about this. Paul must be a preacher. Because he has this thing for threes. As every preacher at some point in Preaching 101 learns. And if you read throughout the collection of his writings in the New Testament, he presents the gospel story, or the, the Christian story, in a couple different ways that all sort of fit that rule of threes. Maybe you've heard it summed up in the ideas of Guilt, grace, gratitude. We recognize our guilt. We get the grace of the cross. We live in gratitude for that gift. Another alliteration would be sin, salvation, and service. Same kind of idea. We recognize our sin. We're saved through the gift of the cross. We live out a life of service in response to that. In this passage today that Rachel read for us, he has another idea of threes that fits the Christian story. And it covers some kind of ivory tower topics, so we're going to kind of break them down a little bit. But this is another way of recognizing how the Christian story works, or how a Christian progresses in their story, if you will. First act is that we're justified. Six dollar word for basically saying the penalty for our sin is paid by Jesus. Because of what Christ did on the cross, we are just as if I'd never sinned at all. We get to experience that here for the Christian. Third act. Yes, I'm skipping the second one for right now. We're glorified. Six dollar word for everything is perfect. Heaven. The race is won. The battle is done. This is kind of the victory after party, is glorification, being glorified. Act two, though, right there in the middle is we're sanctified. $12 word for we're a work in progress. Sanctified is the muck in the middle. The part where we realize we're not perfect. We recognize those times that everybody was quite honest in in recognizing we don't always get it right. And yet we try in honorable ways to, to kind of reach that, to kind of keep trying to get better to keep moving toward perfection, even if it does feel like we're chasing a unicorn. But that race, that quest for the end of the rainbow, can be frustrating. And this can be true whether we're talking about our faith life or we're talking about just life in general. And if you're going after perfection in just about anything and you can't reach it, it's frustrating. It's tough. Can there be joy in that? Can there be peace in not being perfect, in still being a work in progress. Paul might have something to say about that. And he takes his story and he breaks it up. Again, he loves this rule of threes. He must have wrote the book on preaching 101. So he breaks down his story into three different ways that we can find that joy, find that peace, even through the exhaustion and the frustration that comes with trying to be perfect and not being able to do it. The so joy in imperfection, way number one, dealing, dealing with your past. As he says in verse 13, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Now we could take this very literally and read these four words and zoom right through it and completely miss the point. Because Paul isn't saying, forget what lies behind, like he's not asking us, smash your head into a brick wall until you experience amnesia about those times that you're not perfect. Because you're going to spend a lot of time smashing your head into a wall if you do that. But what he says, what he means by it is, if we have a past, and if you're a human being, we all have them, we deal with it. We don't hide from it. it. means if there is something in your life, in your story, that needs forgiveness, we go after it. Whichever side we lie on, whether we're asking for forgiveness or whether we have to be the one who forgives. If there's something we need to confess, whether to somebody else or to God, we go for it. We do it. It's kind of like this. You ever have a child who says they cleaned their room and all they did was swept everything under the bed or into the closet? Does that fool any parent who's had a child more than, who's old enough to be able to be told, clean your room? Here's a hint, Andrew. No, it doesn't. And you know what? It doesn't fool our lives either. Taking the the past, the, the skeletons in our closet, and sweeping them under the bed, or shoving them in the closet and saying they're not there. Well, if we don't deal with them, they will, at some point, deal with us. So how do you know you've dealt with it? How do you know you've done what Paul says and forget what lies behind to the point where it doesn't impact you the same way? Basically, here's an idea. You can talk about it. And this is an example that Paul puts out constantly throughout his writings. Where he's always laying out his past, saying, Hey, you know what? I've messed up in the past. I'm the chief of sinners. I was the main guy for persecuting Christians. Paul whole shebang. He can talk about it. By contrast, if one of those skeletons comes up, and we're like, I don't want to deal with it! Change the subject. Nope, we're not dealing with that. Just stop. Pretty good red flag. That we have not, as Paul says, forgotten the path, what is, lies behind. That we have not dealt with it. Joy and imperfection, number two. That we are a work in progress. It says in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal. Now I want you to consider for a second the guy who is writing this letter. If you took the whole who's who of Christianity put them all together and all their accolades and all the good things they did, Paul could still run circles around them. I mean, Paul, as I said, his resume says he was the poster child for Jewish faith. Top of his class kind of guy. And everything that went with it. He wrote more of the New Testament than any other. And 25, 30 years into his Christian walk as a missionary, as a scripture writer, is like, yep, Still don't have it all down. Still working on it. Still a work in progress. Now to hear this can do one of two things to you. It can either discourage you or it can encourage you. Why do I say discourage you? Because you can look at Paul and think, this is like Christian superhero, like Superman of the faith. And you're telling me he doesn't have it all figured out after 30 some odd years of being a Christian? What hope is there for me? How am I going to ever measure up and get it right if he can't? And any way you word it, it can bring despair. I mean, just like throw your hands up, forget it kind of thing. Or it can encourage you. It can encourage you because you realize, hey, you know what? Paul got to do all these awesome things for God. He was a missionary. He got to be the hand of of writing scripture got to be the one that we're studying here and now in, in churches and will be for generations yet to come. I think You know what? If he didn't have it all together, didn't have it perfect, maybe there is hope for me. Maybe God can use me. Maybe my imperfection isn't the end-all, be-all of all hope and joy. See, the fact is, the Christian life, from here until glorification, until heaven, until it's all perfect because of what God did. The Christian life is about progress toward perfection. This side of heaven, the fact is, we will never reach it. But you know what? That's okay. Because if you can think of something in your life, maybe something from your past or something from your present, that you're like, wow, I don't get this right. I don't know how to do it. I'm not 100% perfect about it. Welcome to being human. Because the goal of the Christian life is progress toward perfection, not reaching it. Paul doesn't stop there. He gives us a third way of being able to to have joy, even in those ways that we are not perfect. To use my words, embrace your God-given mission. As he says in verse 13, using his words. This is after saying, you know what, I've not reached it yet. I've not accomplished the goal yet. But here's what I do. I do. I forget what's behind, and I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus got a hold of Paul when he converted him in massive flash of lightning kind of way in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus. Converted a guy who had been the chief Christian killer to the chief Christian missionary like that. He may not convert you in a flash of lightning kind of way. Let me clarify that but he can still have that same kind of life-changing purpose for you. Maybe even because you're not perfect. There may very well be times where, I'm going to use a little creative license here, where God can have two people and he says, here's somebody who's absolutely perfect, and here's somebody who's not perfect. Which one am I going to use? And he chooses the imperfect person. Even in imperfection, we can still have a bigger purpose. A purpose larger than ourselves. A purpose that is worth getting up in the morning, even if we are exhausted from everything that's been going on in our lives. So what would that do for you? If you could have peace that your past is at least dealt with, and you can be honest about it, and you don't have to clean it up by shoving it under the bed. If you could recognize and be at peace with the fact That you are a work in progress. And that perfection is great and doing well is great. But you know what? So long as you are making progress, that's the best you can go for. And that's okay. What would it do for you if you recognize that even though none of us are perfect, we still have a big calling, a God-given calling to be a part of something bigger than ourselves? That's what Paul would call maturity. That's what Paul would call, you know, when he says all these things about himself. He says, I don't always get it right. I'm still working on it. I still have a calling and I'm still going after it. So therefore, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's not being a braggart. That's saying, you know what, here's a life worth imitating. Here is a life of maturity. Somebody who's worth modeling after. Somebody who can experience joy even in all those things. Even in having a past. Even in not being perfect. Even in sometimes maybe even wondering, do I have a calling? But something like this takes practice. And something that no matter how many times you may hear me say it, sometimes we got to remind ourselves of it. Keep it going for ourselves. So here's the next step that I'm going to give you guys. I want you to take your memory verse that's in your bulletin. And we're going to go over it a little bit here. And I want you to write it out for yourself and put it wherever you're going to see it regularly. Okay? Maybe it's on your nightstand Maybe it's on the bathroom mirror. And I want you to rehearse it for yourself. Read it as much as you need to, as many times as you need to. So why not practice now? Trade secret. I'm actually breaking this up in kind of a weird way to help you be able to remember it. So if you have to kind of slash up your bulletin a little bit, this helps. join me in saying Philippians 1-6 together. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ, who began a good work in you. Now hang on to one last thing as you remind yourself of this verse constantly. And if you've got to go beyond one week, by all means, go beyond one week. Keep it you know, engrave it into your bathroom mirror or whatever. But as you remember this truth, recognize that you are not quoting Brian. You're not quoting Dr. Phil. You're not quoting Tony Robbins. You're quoting the God of the universe. The God who is still working a good work in you and will bring it around to completion. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, we'll reach the height of the book of Philippians when Paul swings for the fences with his joy theme. He does it all in the midst of a topic that can hold every one of us back from joy. Anxiety, worry, distress. While we can't control what happens to us, Paul argues there is still a lot that rests in our decisions, and that can have a huge effect on our joy. Find out more about it next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.